Rise, rise, Welcome to Rise of RevOps. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. And today we're taking a look back on our most recent season. I've had the chance to speak with some incredible minds in the revenue operation space. One of my favorite parts is every conversation that we get to hear how guests define RevOps. Each definition is a little different, and each definition brings something new to the RevOps table. So today, let's take a quick look back at some of those conversations. How do our guests define RevOps? Why is RevOps important? And what do you need to know to make your RevOps team successful? Let's get into it. Rise of RevOps is brought to you by Qualified. Qualified's Pipeline Cloud is the future of pipeline generation for revenue teams that use Salesforce. Learn more about the Pipeline Cloud on Qualified.com. First, we hear from Michelle, Chief Revenue Officer at Six Clicks. Michelle leads the sales and marketing team. She is responsible for revenue generation, strategy, and execution. In her episode, Michelle describes the importance of cross-functional teams. She explained which structures and cadences worked best for her and how she found success in RevOps. RevOps is really a cross-functional discipline that is designed to optimize revenue, both existing revenue in terms of protecting it, as well as growing your revenue stream. And when I say cross-functional, I mean it, it really touches every portion of the organization from, well, the obvious sales and marketing, but also customer success. Back office oftentimes has to be involved in RevOps. And as I said, I think information security should play a role in that as well. Instinct without context is futile. Instinct without data is futile. So while it's important to follow your gut, I think having data is critical. You can't operate without it. Next, let's get to Todd Thomas. He's the chief revenue officer at Adenato, which integrates third-party digital services directly into your vehicle. Todd and I talked about how to organize your startup for success, how to make RevOps reflect your go-to-market strategy. Here's what he had to say about restructuring your RevOps for success. So I define it as everything that touches the generation of revenue for the company. So I, I have a pretty broad umbrella. I definitely think it begins with PR and marketing. Um, certainly sales, sales management, the BD team, and customer success. I think that's, not, that's all probably pretty standard. But I also would include solutions engineering in there because it's really part of the sales process. If you're, if you're moving into a POC and your solutions engineer is integral to that, particularly if you know, the, the actual process of integration is part of your value proposition. You know, if you have a faster integration or an easier integration or a no-code integration, those are keys to your selling and the solution engineer is, is key to it. So I, I would include all of those different groups. And I would say it, you really need to maximize revenue. You need really good collaboration and cooperation across all of those different teams. But how you structure your revenue ops really can be one of the keys to whether or not the startup makes it or not. So make sure that you're, you're amplified and getting the most out of the resources you have available. I mean, the rev ops should be a reflection of your strategy and, and, and your go-to-market plan. And for Aiden in particular, we have a, I would say, highly focused outreach. Um, we have a, a, a very... The, small team, but a very well-connected team, but very strong network. And so we leverage that network of the members of our team, as well as our advisors and our investors to try to compress the sales cycle by getting in front of decision makers as soon as possible. And I know everybody says we want to compress the sales cycle. I, I get that. But the way that we do that is by using existing connections to reach out directly. So ideally, our very first meeting is with a decision maker so we can move really quickly. Well, Todd described RevOps as a structured, strategic, and planned part of his company, Scott Hoffman, our next guest, went in almost the opposite direction. Scott is the chief revenue officer at GFT USA, and he doesn't want his revenue operations team to follow a pattern. 
It's more about emotion and empathy than you may think. Here's Scott. My hope here is that RevOps doesn't do doesn't follow that pattern. That RevOps is a cultural aspect. It's a it's a it's an accountability aspect. It's a it's a deriving empathy between these different, you know, unique areas of of skill to understand how we each impact the other. And it doesn't devolve into tools, just lots of tools. And we can automate all these things. And we know everything about a client and that's the end of it. And, and there's a dashboard and, and you're done. The human aspect and, the, and that accountability aspect, I think, is, is probably the most interesting and critical thing. So there you have it, the human aspect of RevOps. Now let's talk teamwork. That's what Kiva Colstein, President and Chief Revenue Officer at AlphaSense brought up. AlphaSense is a market intelligence and search platform, and Kiva oversees RevOps, renewals, and referrals. He says that RevOps is all about bringing teams together, creating a common goal for everyone. I think RevOps is, is about bringing teams together. Uh, it's about breaking down silos. It's about aligning everyone toward a common goal, revenue growth. And, and what RevOps is, is responsible for, to some extent, is orchestrating the seamless collaboration between sales and marketing and customer success. Uh, and all of that is fueled by, by data. And so providing all of those teams, all of those leaders, the data that we need to inform all of the decisions that we make. The other thing that RevOps does for me is helps me use the data that I might find in Salesforce or Tableau or Gong or, and, and tell a story with that data. I'm telling a story to an investor, to a candidate, to the board, to the broader sales organization. And so what they're, what they become a bit are, are, are storytellers, helping me tell stories with, with the data that they, that they pull out. Really, really important. I think one thing I might add is it's important to understand how best to use, not just as a CRO, but the relationship that begins to exist between RevOps and SDR and SDR management and AE and AM and marketing, right? Those are relationships that don't form overnight. And so, you know, each of them have to figure out how best to collaborate with each other and, and, and use the data that's being provided by RevOps to inform the strategy in that specific function. And so we spend some time on that. Uh, thinking about, okay, this is what RevOps is sharing with the SDR leadership team. What do I do with that information? How do we get higher quality meetings? How do we get, how do we decrease the time between meeting and opportunity? How do we identify the right targets? What tools are we using to do that? You know, are things that the RevOps team assists the SDR team with, with doing? And of course, we can say the same kinds of things for AE, AM, et cetera. Relationships between cross-functional teams don't just grow overnight. Good leaders encourage good connections. And our next guest has more to say on cross-team relationships. Brian Tully is the Chief Revenue Officer at Goldcast, a digital events platform and measurement system. Brian says good RevOps strategy aligns with good business strategy and that a RevOps team should always be on the same page as the board. Once those things are aligned, they can work together for client success. RevOps strategy aligns with the business strategy. So I always start with what is the business goals. What did the executive sign off with? Once you have that, you say, okay, what do we currently have in place? And then what do we need to add to get there? And I actually like to start with an Excel spreadsheet of just what is the forecast of traffic to our webpage, to the amount of leads we're going to get inbound, to the conversion of those leads, outbound prospecting, how many BDRs do we have, where are we going? And then from the initial first touch point all the way through scheduled demos to closed demos, meaning actually happen, to proposals all the way through. And I like to start with the measurement because it first forces our team to think it through about what needs to happen. 
it allows us to then take it up to the tower up high, the board and the execs to say, hey, this is what we think we can accomplish to make sure we're aligned. And then once it is, then you start enacting that whole process for your funnel, for your persona or your different products. So you're able to be effective and you're able to measure what's working and not working and why, and then adjust along the way. When you get information, make sure that that RevOps flow is documenting it and making sure that's in the right places for the right teams in the right systems. And if you just do that, clients will at least feel you're listening to them. Clients will feel like you care about them. And that goes a long way before you even really start your journey. Next, let's talk tools and trends. Jamie Anderson, Chief Revenue Officer at Inverse, described how RevOps gives his team visibility into pipeline and important trends. And that's critical for Inverse, which is a global leader in spend optimization with expense, travel management, and payment solutions. He described how investing in your RevOps team will result in great ROI and how to focus on what really matters when building your bottom line. If I go back to my days at Siebel Systems, you know, over 20 years ago now, you know, and I look at, you know, moving from there to SAP, I saw two businesses which were very, very focused on, you know, running the numbers and had incredibly strong discipline installed, instilled rather in people to, to pay attention to those things. Now, the tools that we used to get to the numbers were a lot less sophisticated today, certainly did not have artificial intelligence built into them. But we did notice enough in trends that enabled us to accurately predict where we thought we would land as as revenue teams. So there's definitely definitely been around a long time. We probably just didn't call it RevOps. And there certainly wasn't RevOps teams, that's for sure. I think just giving us that visibility into, you know, our, our pipeline trends. So, you know, we have several different businesses. You know, we sit we we basically serve you know, 18,000 customers globally, you know, as a company. So being able to see, you know, the patterns where, uh, you know, those customers and particularly from a customer success perspective, where those customers are using the technology, where we can actually see how they're engaging with us, if we're creating opportunities to support that engagement. So for things like retention and cross-sell and upsell, we have that visibility in the business. Similarly, you know, as we look at what constitutes our ideal customer profile, I think the key to all is agreeing together what the priorities are. And that is what the go-to-market priorities are, what the key messages that we want to deliver are. Making sure that the marketing and sales programs and campaigns support the go-to-market with the right content and the right execution. And that way, everybody's working towards a shared goal. Up next is Charles Liu. VP of Operations at LexCheck. LexCheck accelerates contract review and streamlines negotiations by delivering red lines and issues lists in minutes while ensuring consistency across contracts. Charles explained how he uses RevOps as a strategic tool, not only for tracking revenue, but assessing performance and identifying areas for improvement. Let's start with Charles' definition of RevOps, and then we'll hear how he stays competitive in the business. It's a structure that my sales team needs to fit themselves into so I can help them be better at what they do. That in a nutshell is is the way that I look at it. It's a tool, right? It's a tool for me to, uh, one, get information about how the revenue acquisition aspect of the business is working, right? Evaluate whether it's, you know, doing well, whether it, you know, needs to be improved in certain areas, but also it's a tool to help me experiment, right? With different tactics, different 
ideas to be able to kind of implement those things in an efficient way and get learnings out of them that I can implement and deploy and, and kind of get value out of. We had a very comprehensive infrastructure set up, but it actually became a bit of an obstacle because it prevented folks from getting creative, right? We've been around for a while and we've been fairly successful in a lot of ways, but I think that we are still, as far as I'm concerned, always experimenting to be able to do things better, right? In the space where we're at, especially as one of the first movers in the AI space, in order to stay ahead, right? Stay ahead of the competition. Not only do we need to be creative from a product perspective and a delivery perspective, but also from a sales perspective. And so the biggest obstacle that I've had to face in this role so far has been creating an infrastructure of process points around our sellers that is flexible enough to let them be creative and let them do what they do well, which is help our customers identify pain points and get them on a tool that's going to provide them value. But at the same time, I still need to be able to get that insight around how they're doing their jobs and how well they're doing their jobs. So being able to take that really complicated infrastructure and turning it into something powerful but manageable was probably the biggest overall challenge. One of the mantras that I live by, and this is actually comes from our CEO, is the time kills all deals right? Inactivity kills all deals. Open decision points will kill a deal, right? And so what the challenge that we solved coming in was taking those exit criteria and boiling them down to, can you write a proposal for this client, right? Not a proposal that they need necessarily to sign, right? But can you write a proposal that will line, basically set out something that we can provide them that will provide them value? Next, let's hear from Seema Rashid, Senior Vice President of Revenue Analytics at Sixth Sense. In this special episode, Robert Zimmerman, the CRO of Qualified, interviewed Sema at a live Rise of RevOps event at Dreamforce earlier this year. And Sema gave her definition of RevOps. Here it is. When I hear RevOps, I think of two things. I think of alignment and integration, right? So really what the goal of RevOps is to accelerate business growth through the alignment and integration of your marketing sales and customer success functions. That can look very different across different orgs, right? It depends on the maturity of those ops functions within organizations. It depends on the organizational readiness as well. I think early on in the RevOps world, it was all about let's bring those teams together under one chief revenue officer, and that was the only way. But I've been in companies where the marketing operations team might have a higher level of maturity than some of the other functions, or the metrics are so different, or maybe enablement isn't pulled in. In some cases, the annual planning process sits outside in a corporate function as opposed to in a field strategy and planning organization. So I think there's different flavors of it, and, and it really depends on the company, the structure, what's in place, and the organizational readiness. But it all goes back to alignment and integrations, whether it's all one team or whether there's just an interlock and a cadence that those teams work towards. Nobody's data is perfect. And I think as somebody who's built and led analytics teams for 17 years, nobody will achieve perfection. I think consistency of measurement, single source of truth is number one, the biggest thing. But there's always blind spots, right? I would love to know exactly what you know, have attribution down to, you know, every single touch point, I will never get it. So it's about understanding that there is some ambiguity, there's no silver bullet. So when you are looking at the data that you have, you're putting it into that context, right? Attribution tools, you know, can get you to a certain place, but they're not going to get you to that full view. Similarly, you know, who is that full buying group? I mentioned that, you know, we sell to accounts and people within those accounts. Our reps might not put every single contact on that deal, 
right? But I know the data tells me that our win rates double when we have at least at least six people on a deal. I know generally what those six personas are. And so I do use that to inform where the sellers go, where the marketers focus their campaigns on. But I'm sure there's more than that, right? There's plenty of folks that might not see. So there are gaps. Everyone has gaps, but we really try and plug them where we can through automation, to, through using technology to fill those gaps. But always just understanding that the data is not perfect. And so we will use what we have to drive the best informed decisions that we can make. Next, we heard from Jason Rushforth, the Senior Vice President and GM for the Americas at Sugar CRM. Sugar is a CRM solution that provides automation, data, and intelligence services. When I talked to Jason, he said that you're doing your research, and asking questions, and that's critical to setting yourself up for success. Let's hear how Jason drives revenue. There's a lot of cogs in the wheel to drive revenue. And, and those cogs in the wheel are from everything from marketing to sales, service, to product, to delivery, to customer experience. So to me, it's about the alignment of the objectives and goals and driving the operational function that is cross-functional to achieve growth and, and successful outcomes for from a revenue perspective. But I will say something, you know, as, as a go-to-market leader, I don't need to build fiefdoms to build success. And I have to work with my sales operations team, my marketing ops team. If your BDR organization or your SDR organization lives in marketing or sales, it shouldn't matter if you're driving the revenue engine where they report to, but rather aligning them to the goals and objectives of what the business is trying to accomplish is probably paramount to you know the 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 place that they report to customer success is non-negotiable as an employee of our company so you know we have to make sure our customers love us happy with us and that we build a working relationship with those customers so but inside of that my attention does pivot from point to point within a given week month quarter year based on the KPIs that I'm looking at to facilitate success within the business. So if I have a deficient pipeline, I'm going to be spending a lot of time with the marketing team and the BDR organization. I'm going to be rallying the sales team around how do we build pipeline that sustains itself because pipeline is the fuel for the revenue engine in the business. Customer success is non-negotiable. Couldn't agree more. Okay, folks, we have one more guest coming up and that is John Fong, CRO of Domain Group. Domain is one of the largest property marketplaces and portals in the Southern Hemisphere. And John told me how he uses RevOps to assist Domain's sales team. Then he dove a little deeper and described revenue in three parts as he sees it. Here's John. Yes, I think RevOps to me is, is many different components. Classically, RevOps has been about pricing and finding the right pricing value and bundle packages for our customers. But when I think of the operations team in, in my organization, it's actually very large. There's about 300 people there in total. Most of them are part of what we call customer experience, that is helping a customer when they have a problem and ideally work with product to avoid the problem happening in the first place. But we also have an enablement team. We have a performance team, which sets quotas and incentives. You know, We have lots of other different teams that can really, all with the, with the objective of helping our sales team be more effective and our customers be well served. So the way I think of revenue is in three components. There's what we can't control, which is you know how many houses are going to be sold by the market this year. That number we can't control. It's a function of interest rates, macroeconomic, where the recession is going, unemployment, et cetera, et cetera. That's one component. But we fundamentally control two things. The average revenue per listing, 
right? Which is a function of how much, how we price and the various pricing tiers and models we have. And then our market share. Our market share is, you know, what percentage of those 500,000 listings are going to pay to be listed on domain. So at a high level, that's how I think about revenue. And I can't control that first one, which is how many houses that we have for sale in any given year on 500,000. But I can control what percentage want to be on us or what price we charge them. And that's basically how I target my team. I've divided my team into, you know, I've got customer experience, which is a very large and awesome team. But I have over 100 people who have a territory. In their territory, they might have as few as 20, as many as a few hundred real estate agents. Their job is to show each of those real estate agents, hey, this is why you should be recommending to your sellers why they should be on our platform. And so each of them have a effectively a market share goal to get to as close to 100% as possible. On top of that, they have a revenue goal, which is we just don't want them on the cheapest option. We want to give them as much value as possible. So we have you know classic, basic, silver, gold, platinum, platinum edge. Each of those have more features, more exposure, bigger branding for the real estate agency. And what we're constantly trying to do is train our salespeople to, to show the value of the higher tiers, but also work with our product team and the RevOps team to say, hey, if we develop these new products and these new features, can we charge more money at all the tiers, at some tiers? So we're constantly in that cycle of trying to bring more value, we're to charge more revenue, as well as increase the market share of how many people are actually using a paid product. And there you have it. Some of the most brilliant RevOps minds all in one room. Oh sort of room, digital room. It's been an awesome season. We have heard a few different perspectives on how to define and approach RevOps. We've seen all different ways of thinking and looking at it, and it's evolving. It's changing every single day. And that's what's so exciting about doing this series is just hearing how different people are doing it at different companies and different types of companies. Thanks so much for listening for the whole season. If you need anything from me or anything from our team, you can email us team at caspianstudios.com. Of course, thanks always to the amazing people at Qualified. Go to qualified.com to learn more. They deserve to be in your tool shed for 2024. Thanks again to Qualified. We love them dearly. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios, and I'll see you next time on Rise of RevOps. Thank you for listening to Rise of RevOps. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and subscribe wherever you're listening. This podcast was created by the team at Qualified. The Pipeline Cloud is the modern way. B2B revenue teams generate pipeline. Learn more at qualified.com.